welcome to Shore Solutions, the podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Mara Shore. I'm a partner in the medical practice management company, Yes, Shore Solutions. Who's the other host, you may ask? Easy answer. That would be my father, our founding partner, Jay Shore. Together, we now have an amazing team and clients across the country. Listen as we chat, converse, strategize, and commiserate over life in the aesthetic medical industry. It's time for you to listen, learn, and be inspired as we help you kickstart your practice because who doesn't want a little more help? Welcome to Shore Solutions, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Shore Solutions, the podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mara Shore, and I am a partner in Shore Solutions along with Jay Shore, who is not only my business partner and the founding partner, but he is my pops, my dad. So we are going to be talking about something that truly we have been talking with our clients a lot about, and that is what makes a great practice administrator for your cosmetic aesthetic medical practice. So we were chatting a little bit before this, coming up with a a short list. You know, this is going to be a long list otherwise, and we are always happy to continue the conversation otherwise, but Jay slash dad, Let's go ahead and let's get started on this conversation of what makes a great practice administrator. I don't know that we have enough time to talk about what makes a great practice administrator. There's a lot of things that make a good practice administrator. In these times, we need great because there's a lot of competition. And the first thing, in order to be a great practice administrator, you really have to be a good leader. So let's define what a good leader is. Uh, A great leader has to have great people skills. What's a leader and what's a boss? I never really, as a leader, want to consider myself as a boss, but I rather consider myself as a teammate, our team. You know, I've always been raised, I never need to tell anybody that works for me that I'm the boss. In my entire career, people know who the boss is, and they know who the boss isn't. So that is never a way to, to get your people, you know, to really appreciate who you are. To be a great leader, you've got to have empathy. You have to be able to put yourself in other people's shoes. You know, walk a mile in their shoes because everyone has some type of positive and not so positive issues in their life. And our team seriously is made up of people, our teammates, our partners, non-financial partners, but everybody really that works with you and is on your team should really look at it as if it is their practice. Now, I know there might be tension about the financials and we'll get into that a little bit later, but the number one, front and foremost, is the ability to be a good leader, to be able to drive everybody towards the identical goal, even though you go about it differently. Look, you and I are both equal partners in our business. We don't always go about getting to the finish line in the identical matter. Could be generational. It could be just we have a different way of doing it. You know, 
five times one is five and six minus one is five and three plus two is five. There's many ways to get to that finish line. And sometimes the generational of leadership, I have a totally different way because I've done it that way for many years and have been successful at it. However, it's not sustainable because things have changed. You can't use the yellow pages anymore, which made my practice so successful. And really, as a good practice administrator, there's a difference between a practice manager and a practice administrator. Managers can work for an administrator, and managers don't necessarily have financial responsibility. They have maybe have responsibility over people, maybe processes, but not necessarily the numbers. How many times, Mara, we have clients and they kind of feel that their practice administrator or manager doesn't really have as much of a grasp on their business. And we say to them, well, do they know what you pay for items? Do they know how much revenue you have? Do they know? And they say, no, that's pretty private. I don't want them to have it. And this is a this is a great point that you're making right now, Jay, because the financial component and the financial knowledge Number one, when you're hiring a practice administrator, you're hiring somebody for that practice administrator, having those conversations ahead of time to know what is number one, what is their comfort level? Are they somebody that is able to really crunch the numbers? Are they someone that's able to analyze the numbers once they're crunched? Are they so is this a position that somebody is going to be working with the numbers day in, day out? And just like you said, we have some clients that they the the practice owners don't even want their administrators having access to the numbers. So knowing what you're looking for going in before you even hire this person is going to be key because this is the difference of, is it going to work out or is it not going to work out? Because you can't give a non-numbers person numbers and expect it to work. And you can't take someone like yourself who, if, if you listened to Jay before. If you as listeners have heard Jay speak before, you know he is the numbers guy. This is Jay. This is what he does. And to try and expect him to provide results without giving him access to the data is not going to work either. So you can't expect a practice administrator to provide really strong results and make really effective change if you don't give them access to the numbers because you need to give them access to the data. There's a difference between how much table paper and band-aids cost when you have the McKessons, the Shines, the Cardinals, the, you know, different level of um, vendors that you have and you, uh, how much is your biomedical hazardous waste? And you ask somebody as a practice administrator, you know, to, do you know how much this is? And that's different. That's really a manager's type of the job, but are you really giving them access to a full PL, your tax return? Just so that everybody knows, can you give the, what does PL stand for? I want to make sure everybody has that. You know, that's a good point, Mara. People have written to me and they write P, Peter, N, Nancy, L, Larry, P, N, L. And I know right away that the person that is sending that to me doesn't really understand what a P and L really means. And it stands for profit and loss. And I apologize in advance if some of the things that I say are primitive to you, but believe me when we tell you that they are foreign to other people. You have to have full 
knowledge of your profit and loss statement. And with that comes your tax statement at the end of the year, because your P&L, profit and loss, and your actual tax statement that you send to the federal government don't necessarily marry. And that's because one has earnings before interest, depreciation, interest before interest taxes, depreciation, and amortization, commonly known as EBITDA, EBITDA, however you want to do it, same as tomato, tomato. All right. But that EBITDA versus the bottom line, because a PL isn't going to have depreciation and amortization yet, for tax purposes, your tax report will. I don't agree a lot of times with practice owners because they feel that if they give their practice administrator access to the financials, that the practice administrator may, if they don't have friends in the practice, we'll get to that a little bit too, share some of that, or they just don't even want them to know how much money is coming in. Now, I disagree with that. I I respect it if that's how you feel. However, you don't always want people that are in charge as an administrator feeling that you are the rich, wealthy doctor. Why? Because anybody can see a half a million, a million dollars, two million, five million, ten million coming in, but have no idea what it costs to operate that practice, rent, mortgage, utilities, supplies, cost of goods sold. We can go on and on with this. And if you are a plastic surgeon, facial plastic surgeon that has a surgery center like I did, the build-out is insurmountable, plus the everyday running of that OR to properly man it, staff it, and have anesthesia providers and all the supplies that go into it versus a regular practice, that is an elevated level. One thing I do want to really focus on here, Jay, is that you want your practice administrator to have industry knowledge. So especially when you're talking about someone that is not only in charge of, yes, ordering ordering supplies. So do they know what type of sutures need to be ordered? Do they know what every role in the practice is? Do they know what each procedure that the practice does, that the, the provider, whether that is surgical or non-surgical, do they have that insider knowledge, especially because once you get to that level of a practice administrator, that's when you need somebody that really knows this industry. And if you are in something that is a subspecialty that is more specialized, like Oculo, for instance, right? So yes, you may do the same injectables that a cosmetic surgery practice does or a med spa, you know, does, but what we want to focus on is, do they know all of the procedures that you're doing in your practice? Because you cannot be teaching those types of things at the practice administrator level. So, and one of the things you brought up, Jay, when we were chatting just a few minutes before we got started, is not just one of the advantages of having somebody that has been hired locally, for instance, is that not only do they know the procedures that the practice does, but they know the competition in place as well. I'm not saying steal from your competitor, but what I am saying is that somebody that knows not just the industry, but they know what is it that is being charged per procedure? What is the going rate in your area? If you take somebody from Miami 
or a suburb of Miami, and you then try and hire them in LA, they may be severely undercharging for a BBL, for instance. So we want to take a look at what does that look like as far as industry knowledge as well. Knowing the procedures and knowing the profitability of the procedures are totally different. All right, because that comes back to the finances. Now, it is very easy. We see people that hire managers from med spas into surgical practices. In the times like today, when we are in the great resignation and staff is so hard to come by. Now, look, many, many years ago, we used to hear there's no great staff in Miami. There's no great staff in Philly. There's no great staff in Nashville. Let's go on. We can go through Chicago, Arizona, Beverly Hills, doesn't matter. And we used to say, oh, I'm so tired of hearing that from everybody. But I will share with you, it is a fact today. So really to get a great administrator in this industry today, if you are a surgical practice, maybe you can get a great PCC, patient care coordinator from a med spa because they know how to sell Botox and Dysport and Xeomin and and Juvo and Restylane and Juvederm. I'm going to name multiple so we don't put this onto one product, but they don't know. We're not not working on CMEs here. They don't know how to sell the difference between a primary breast augmentation, for example, that might be a female anywhere from her late teens, average to 30s. They have, of course, we know they have them and above. And the facelift of an aging, mature person like myself that might want the facelift, neck lift, different than a primary procedure. All right. Now, Okay, the procedure is 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, all right? Now, you've got to be able to manage that patient care coordinator as an administrator. Now, what is the one thing a patient care coordinator is most concerned about when they sell? Their commission. Bar none, because I don't know of a patient care coordinator that doesn't have a base hourly or salary plus a commission. Whereas patient care coordinators are different than administrators because administrators should never be commissioned, all right? They should always be bonus on profitability and increased revenue. I really have a bad feeling when you commission a manager on sales because you can't be great at both because you're focusing too much of your attention on the sales process, which lines your pocket. I don't have a problem with that. We, I love money. However, I love profitability and net net more than I love the gross. Well, because as we all know in a PL, I'll make this one statement you can have a positive gross profit and a negative net profit. Well, in addition to the financial knowledge, so when we're talking about industry knowledge and having that over, overall grasp and that, that nitty gritty grasp, right? So not only do we have industry knowledge when it comes to the financial component, but also wanting to touch on when you have that industry knowledge, then you also need to understand the legal and compliance that goes along with that as well, both on the surgery side and on the non-surgical side. And so again, it needs to be industry knowledge and it needs to be specific to your 
your state. Sometimes it needs to be specific to your county. If we're talking about surgery centers and certifications and where we're looking at all of these specific components, you need to be up to date and up to snuff when it comes to legal and compliance. And if you are not for any reason, you need a practice administrator that is confident in working with a risk manager that is confident in working with somebody as it relates to OSHA, that is competent as it relates to working with the folks with when it comes to legal guidance with a practice management consultant, but you need, I like to start with somebody that is already really strong when it comes to the legal and compliance where your practice is located, because we all know things differ from state to state so severely. You hire a great practice administrator, they should or better have a great, like you mentioned, a great knowledge of HIPAA, OSHA, and legal compliance. Because bringing somebody in from out of state because they did well, example, both Mara and I live in Florida. I live in South Florida, Mara lives in Central Florida. If you bring somebody in from another state, and there is no such thing in my world as a gray area. It's either black or it's white. If it's not written, it doesn't exist. Because it's not mentioned, don't assume that it is okay. Some people say, well, there's, not, there's no violation to it. I don't want to have to be questioned or called to test to prove my innocence example. In the state of Florida, a medical assistant cannot inject Botox under the guidance of a doctor, allopathic, osteopathic, all right? Some states allow estheticians to do lasers. Many states do. In the state of Florida, an esthetician and an RN can't do lasers or fillers. Now, an if you are an esthetician and you have an electrology license, you can do laser hair removal, but you can't do lasers for telangiectasias, for hermangiomas, for vascular. You're just not allowed, particular veins, you know, and please don't depend. I love our vendors. Please don't depend on equipment vendors if you're a practice administrator helping to negotiate and make that decision. The vendor doesn't even always know the law. Example, in the state of Florida, when you have a laser, it must be registered with the Bureau of Laser Radiation Control in Tallahassee, our state capital. You will never, ever hear that from a laser sales rep. I'm sorry to say that if there's any reps listening, but I know that we have spoken on behalf of laser companies and when I bring out the form and say every laser you have in your office must be registered with the Bureau of Lasers and Radiation Control, people look at me with like a second head. Well, if you don't know that, if you don't know that your esthetician or your RN can't inject and you allow, there is no reciprocity here in Florida. And in certain states, they're different. Who can own a practice? In Florida, a non-physician can own a practice. There's caveats. Certain states, they're not allowed at all. California, a physician must own 51%, and the other 49% can be owned by licensed medical providers that aren't physicians. 
there's more details to go with that. But if you are trying to look for people in that practice on behalf of your physician slash owner, partner, group, then if you don't know it, you're going to put people in some grave, serious danger. And knowing what paperwork goes into each procedure with consents and photography. Correct. When your practice manager slash practice administrator is, is hired, they need to be somebody that is fully on board with the processes, protocols, and procedures that go into building and strengthening and managing your practice. So that is always a trait that I love to look at, we love to look at when it comes to your practice and when it comes to hiring a practice administrator. And the the final tip that I am going to give as we wrap up, final one is do not as a practice administrator, be friends with your team and your staff. And I say this, I'm not saying don't be friendly. You, of course, you, you always want to be respectful. You want to remain part of the same team, but I truly, truly say, pull out the, you know, all that, the happy hours where you're going out and getting schnockered together. You shouldn't be socializing on the weekends with your staff. It is very hard if not impossible, that once you cross those boundaries of, of friendship to reel back in when you need to put your manager hat back on. And you will not, as a practice administrator, your practice administrator won't be taken with the same level of seriousness that they would otherwise. I love every single member of our Shore Solutions team. Obviously, Jay, I love you a little bit more than everybody else if we're playing favorites. I loved you first, but I loved you first. <laughs> because you're my dad. But with all of that being said, truly, it becomes very hard to reel it back in uh, from, from the friend standpoint. So that is something that we always like to say, always like to keep in mind. And so with that, Jay, our conversation, I have to reel it back in now. I have to bring it to a close because you and I otherwise will go on all day long. So Jay, it's been another great episode of Shore Solutions, the podcast. But with that, we're hopping right back on Zoom to go meet with clients shortly. So thank you so much for listening to another episode of Shore Solutions, the podcast. Remember, we are always here to speak with you one-on-one. -on -one, and thank you so much for joining us. So acquiring, converting, and retaining new loyal patients is easier than you think. It requires you mastering the sales funnel in your aesthetic practice. How is it that easy, you ask? Well, it's easy because we teach you step-by-step -step in our Conversion Cascade online course, a fun and results-driven course that you and your team can finish in less than five hours. Yes, less than five hours because we know y'all are busy. We provide you six training videos that walk you through attracting new patients, converting calls to consults, consults to treatments, and keeping your patients coming back for more. All of this while learning how to talk to your patients about additional treatments and procedures to achieve their dream results and bonus, boost your revenue and have them singing your praises to others. With our course, you also get tangible tools to help you succeed, such as downloadable marketing checklists, phone scripts, conversion tracking spreadsheets, and more, 
all of which are completely customizable and editable for you and your practice and your team. Get started and sign up for our Conversion Cascade online course today. And as a special thank you for being a podcast listener, we're giving you 10% off. Yes, 10% off. Just enter the discount code podcast. Yes, the word podcast to start saving. Click the link in our show notes to get started now, increase revenue, and acquire more patients for your practice today. That wraps up today's episode of Shore Solutions, the podcast. If we mentioned any quote links in our show notes, be sure to check them out for the easiest way to discover your best solutions. You can find them, yep, in our show notes. We love your help in spreading the word about our podcast. How? Rate us and share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and the rest of your team. Remember to follow us on social media at Shore Solutions and send us a message directly with your burning questions. We love hearing from you. Plus, sign up for our e-newsletter to be the first to find out about our upcoming webinars, the latest tips on running your practice more efficiently, dealing with the issues with drama and money in your practice, and watch the latest videos and blog posts in your inbox right in real time. Now's the time to join at www.shoresolutions.com and click on the e-newsletter button in the top right-hand corner. We'll see you next time. And remember, subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review.